It's the Opposition Research Podcast on HawkeyeNation.com. Welcome to the Opposition Research Podcast here on HawkeyeNation.com. My name is Andrew Downs. Each week I'll find a beat reporter, blogger, or broadcaster that covers Iowa's upcoming opponent. If you have a suggestion for who I should talk to in a given week, or if you have any questions you'd like me to ask, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew C. Downs. Let's get to this week's game. Back home, looking to stay atop the Big Ten West standings with a win over Rutgers, a 2.30 kick. Last check, Iowa about a one-point favorite with a historically low point total. And my guest today covers Rutgers for NJ Advance Media, the Star Ledger, also the Rutgers Ramp Podcast. It's Brian Fonseca. Brian, thank you for the time. Absolutely happy to do it, man. You know, before we get to the specifics of this week's game, Rutgers has had a, a pretty nice season before uh, so far, you know, dropping games to some top five teams and also at Wisconsin, but already to bowl eligibility, playing pretty well. Has this season already been a success? Absolutely. I think uh, to this point, realistically, anybody – uh, setting expectations before the season, they've all really been met. Uh, I think even the losses they had, the, the loss to Ohio State, I think was as encouraging as you could have probably hoped for. I think if everything had broken right that game, they, there was a path to upsetting Ohio State, really the way they played, which is incredible thing to say. Obviously it didn't happen because not everything went right, but the fact that they were in it is a, another latest sign of uh, this, this team, this program, seemingly being a little ahead of schedule. Uh, they had to break... Uh, Nine-year bowl drought, they did. They had to essentially beat every team they could have, should have beat so far, and they did it in their six wins, pretty much all in dominant fashion outside of an 18-point fourth-quarter comeback against Michigan State. Um, And then they were competitive with Michigan. They were competitive with Ohio State. They were competitive with Wisconsin. They're not there yet to win those games, as Greg Schiano has mentioned a few times, but I have to say that even, I think, the the expectations have recalibrated a bit in that six wins was a good season in the preseason. Now that they have six wins in eight games, people were probably hoping for a win or two in the last four games. But I would say that no matter how the rest of the season shakes out, it's been a resounding success and it is really good showing that the program is heading in the right direction. Yeah. Does does it feel like the, the program has turned a corner again under Greg Schiano now? I would say so. I think you have to show it's sustainable, obviously, to, to say that fully, but I think they, they've built an identity, which is a big deal. I think they they know how they want to play. They want to run the ball. They want to protect the ball. They want to play really good defense, really good special teams. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they've done that so far, and they've, that's really how they've won every game. Um, they have developed guys. They've developed an offensive line. They've developed a really good running back. They've uh, developed a quarterback that's not quite there yet as a passer, but I've shown a lot of uh, improvement in other areas. So I would say that, yeah, they, this seems to be sustainable. Recruiting is on an uptick. Um, next year, the schedule sets up for another breakout year. A lot of people like to make parallels to the first time Shannon was around. This feels like 05 and that they finally broke a bowl drought. Mm. And next season is, in theory, the 06, where they have the big breakout year. I'm not sure if it'll play out exactly like that, but I certainly think that they have put themselves in a position to um, – yeah, make this a sustainable thing and make it shell 2.0 similar to what 1.0 was. Uh, the biggest story about this game from a nationalist uh, standpoint is the historically low point total expected. Uh, Iowa keeps getting these low totals, keeps going under, but also keeps finding ways to win. Do, do you expect a low-scoring game? And then can Rutgers win a game that's played at Iowa's tempo? 
I think so because it's similar to what Rutgers does. And it feels like I'm looking at two teams. Uh, I was just on either end of the extreme. Like, Iowa has maybe the worst offense in college football and one of the best defenses in college football, whereas Rutgers has one of the really good defenses and one of the really bad offenses. So it's kind of funny to look at it that way. I think Iowa, Rutgers catches them in a weird spot where they're playing Ohio State, Iowa, then Penn State, which are all some version of that, of teams with elite defenses and mediocre to bad offenses. So, And again, Rutgers falls in that category. I would be surprised if – I should say I wouldn't be surprised if we get to the fourth quarter – and everyone who bet the under is sweating bullets because it's 12-10 with five minutes to go. Um, it just feels like another Minnesota, another Northwestern, mm-hmm. another game like that for sure. So um, I don't have any advice. I have no gambling advice because I think it's going to be um, – be very tight. Yeah, us in the Iowa media are kind of living a Groundhog Day right now, just over and over and over the kind of same same game each and every week. But uh, a year ago in this matchup, uh, turnovers were the story of the game. A pick six, a scoop and score fumble uh, gave Iowa a first half lead that was really insurmountable against that defense, especially. Uh, is that again turnovers or, or limiting those turnovers again a key uh, for Rutgers in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's actually priority number one. That's been the case for most games this season, but I would argue this game especially because you're playing an offense that, again, if you play decent enough defense, you should not be giving up any, many, if not any points to Iowa's offense. So Iowa's going to have to create points through your mistakes, through the defense, through special teams. And Rutgers and his three losses this season, each one quarterback to have has thrown a back-breaking pick six. And I think that that is certainly the formula for Iowa to beat Rutgers is to force him to throw a pick, throw two picks, maybe commit a fumble and get short fields and convert those into points. So I think absolutely if Rutgers has any hope of beating Iowa, they have to have a one turnover, zero turnover game probably. Um, and I just, I think the concern is that Gavin Wimstead has not shown that he's capable of going a game against an elite defense without throwing a pick six and that's the that combined with fixing his accuracy issues is the clear next steps in his evolution 19 rushing touchdowns on the season for Rutgers how important is it to establish the run on Saturday uh, it's, it's it's critical absolutely critical it's how they've had any success offensively this season uh, the offensive line has taken a huge jump under Pat Flaherty who I learned today former assistant coach at Iowa under Kirk Ferentz that trivia that I learned today um, and Kyle Monungai, who has developed from a guy who we thought would be maybe the second, third string running back into one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, who runs really, really hard and breaks tackles and pushes piles forward and um, has been really a revelation this season. So I think, and obviously Gavin Loom said, his strength is his ability to hold onto the ball, run the ball, pick good timings to do that. And uh, that's been really what's elevated his game. So I think absolutely if you stop the run against Rutgers, you essentially stop the offense. Um, so that for Rutgers to have any success, again, they have to establish the run. I'm more encouraged this week than I was last week because they were able to do so against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I think if you could do it against Ohio State, you could do it against most teams in the country. Um, and they just weren't able to do that against Michigan, for example. So uh, will they be able to do it against Iowa? I'm not entirely confident, but I, again, more confident now than I was last week. Defensively from afar, it looks to have been a pretty solid season so far. What what players or position groups have been the strength on that side of the ball? So I would have said linebacker a couple weeks ago. Uh, Tyree Powell, Deion Jennings, two stalwarts there have been playing really, really well. 
a tiring Powell, probably their best linebacker, maybe their best defender, uh, had surgery on a hand two weeks ago. He's out for the year, uh, which is a big blow. The guy who replaced him, Mohamed Ture, coming off of a torn ACL last year, has been really good this year. The issue was more so the depth behind him, a bit of a drop-off. That was evident in a big play in the Ohio State game. Travion Henderson gets the ball on a third and nine. He has about four yards to go. If Tyron Powell's in the game there, maybe he stops him. Instead, it's Darryl Javomi, a seldom-used backup, gets caught on a bad angle, has no hope of stopping Travion Henderson. So if they find themselves in that position again, uh, I would worry about that. Um, and as for the rest of the defense, I would say Rutgers is pretty solid at corner. Two guys who could probably play in the league in Max Melton and Robert Longerbeam. Uh, safety foot Dixon has been a transfer from Minnesota who's been really, really solid. Him and Shaquan Oil are good partners back there. Uh, and the defensive line is deep. They're not great at sacks and tackles for loss, but they generate a lot of pressure, make opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable, and uh, help out the other guys on the back end. Aaron Lewis is a name that was a pretty popular preseason All-Big Ten pick. Uh, he hasn't, again, sack numbers are great, but he does generate a lot of pressure. Uh, other guys like Wesley Bailey, Isaiah Eaton, um, I mean, solid guys, but uh, those are names that come to mind. I think that the defense overall has been solid. I can't say one unit has been vastly superior, but I think that's what makes them great is that they are. there's no real evident weakness on that side of the ball. Special teams are almost an afterthought for some schools, but they're super important for Iowa, and Iowa almost always has an edge there between Torrey Taylor punting, Drew Stevens kicking, Cooper DeGene returning. How, how does Rutgers stack up uh, in special teams? Massive thing for Greg Schiano as well. It's the, one of the they take it about as seriously as any two programs in the country. These two, um, I think, Iowa fans were maybe the fan base that appreciated Adam Korsak the most yeah. out of any other in the country. Uh, he's gone. Uh, they have another uh, Australian punter. His name is Flynn Appleby. Was kind of groomed as a successor to Korsak, and while he's not a generational punter, I thought he's been pretty good this year. Um, Jay Patel, the kicker, first year starter, on pace for the best field goal percentage in program history, albeit I think he's 11 of 13. So not a huge sample size, but good start so far. And I would say the coverage units are pretty solid. They've had a a block touchdown, two of them actually, this season. I think that's an area where, I mean, the Broncos probably won't be able to do it against Torrey Taylor, against Iowa's really good unit. But in a game like this, low scoring expectations, I think that's exactly an area that correctional teams take advantage of. You know, be it a punt block or a field goal block or what have you, um, will they be able to? I I wouldn't bet on it, but that would be something I'm sure they're emphasizing uh, in practice. So uh, to answer your question, I would say special teams, maybe not to Iowa's level. I think it's hard to reach that level, but I would certainly say they have some of the best overall, you know, teams punt kick coverage uh, in the country. Should be an interesting game Saturday, if, if not an overly exciting one. He is uh, Brian Fonseca. Check out his work at NJ Advanced Media and the Star Ledger. Also listen to the Rutgers Ramp podcast and give him a follow on Twitter. It's Brian NNNF. That's four N's. Uh, Brian, thank you for the time, man. I always appreciate it. Always appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you so much, and uh, I'll see you in Iowa City. Well, there you have it. That's a Rutgers team that feels good, feels like uh, they can turn another corner here by getting a win at Iowa. Um, And can Iowa's offense find a way to score? You know, it's, again, broken record, Groundhog Day type thing. Uh, Iowa's defense will be up to the task for sure. The the crowd inside Kinnick Stadium will be there as well. Uh, It's just going to be interesting to see. But this is a Rutgers team. It's It's not your daddy's Rutgers team, right? This is a team that... 
uh, can certainly come into Iowa City and put a scare into Iowa, come out with a win. And so I was going to have to need to uh, be on their on their their A game as far as defense and special teams. And who knows, maybe that offense, uh, maybe something will click. Maybe something will happen. Uh, we'll have it covered from all angles at HawkeyeNation.com. Check that out. Uh, we'll be back Thursday with the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, Joe Smoka and myself. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening, and go Hawks. <laughs>